You're now listening to the Tribe Call Bless podcast. Welcome to the tribe. I ain't worried about nobody trying to stop my shine Coming back for everything these haters stole is mine In the field, in the trenches, working overtime They ask me how I'm doing, I say I'm just fine Homie, I'm blessed, yeah I'm blessed, yeah Ladies and gentlemen, y'all know what time it is. You're not listening to the A- nah. <laughs> nah, 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 nah. I know y'all been seeing the, the promos. You can see the name change in your phones. You've been wondering, like, what's going on? Is it the same thing? Yeah, it's the same thing, but it's newer and it's bigger and it's better. And allow us to reintroduce ourselves. This is the tribe called Bless Podcast. Let's go. Allow us to reintroduce ourselves this is the tribe called bless <laughs> podcast let's go yes let's so ladies go. and gentlemen it just feels nice boy. it just feels, it feels nice. good man how does it feel good to you does it feel good to you it feels real nice i feel matured hey i feel like we matured everybody been, so ladies and gentlemen i know you've been wondering you've been asking like what's going on what's been going on like for for we've been wanting to do a name change anyway you know what i'm saying we've been wanting to kind of do something different but we know that we establish, you know, what we establish. But then, you know, um, right after we got done doing the, the Gil Gatsby episode, we felt like that episode was taking us into another direction that we've always wanted to go. Yeah. So we say, you know what? Let this be the beginning of something new. So yeah. as you saw, we quickly decided that. We pushed that thing out there. And then, like, literally, we just started switching everything up within a day. Yeah, and uh, we, we was able to change the name, put the graphics together, all of that, and yeah. uh, it is what it is. You're now listening to the tribe, the tribe called Blessed Podcast, podcast ladies yes, and yes. gentlemen. So uh, it's still going to be on what you're listening to it now. Name has changed, but we're going to try to do something different. And now you can find us on FB. We have our own page. You yes. know what I'm saying? Um, so definitely like us on FB, and that's under the Tribe Called Blessed Podcast. Yes. Uh, now the name on IG and Twitter is the TCB podcast. So it's at T H E T C B podcast. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen. So who's with me in the building right now? Ladies and gentlemen, this is your boy Jay Davis, uh, in my, in my favorite place, the backyard. Yes, sir. You can find me at J A Davis. I I on Instagram and Twitter. You can also find me um, at jdavis.co, um, which is my website. Also, if you have not listened to it yet, you can find me on uh, Spotify, uh, Spotify, Apple Music, uh, Amazon Music, and any other type of music platform. You can check out my uh, my latest single, Apology Letter, uh, which I wrote and produced. Um, right. And I talked about uh, a true story. So I hope you enjoy I also repost it to the friends because I think they would enjoy the vibe as well. Yes, sir. You ladies and gentlemen, go ahead and hit up me, your boy Rayno Jamal at FB Twitter N I G at R A Y N E Double L J A M A L. That's Rayno Jamal. Yeah. And uh just stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. Stay tuned. We got a lot of things coming towards your way. A lot more interviews. First of all, let's just give a shout out to the boy Gil Gaspi. That yes. was a very, 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 very dope interview. 
Uh, we got a lot of love from that. He reached out to us and told us it was crazy. Um, as you as you hear, he blessed he blessed us with the uh, with the theme music for the podcast. Yes, you know what I'm saying. So shout out to him and Chris. You know what I mean. If you're wondering what that is, that's the winner's anthem. You know what I mean. Yes, that's I Gil love Gatsby. that joint. That joint yeah. is so fire. That's Gil so Gatsby fire. featuring Chris Peters. So yeah, ladies and gentlemen, we are definitely excited about this new season. And this episode marks the new season. This episode, new season. We call it like 1.5, season 1.5, 1. Uh, yeah. episode 1.5, yeah. Yeah, something different, you know what I mean? So we just want y'all to to, to, to buckle up your seatbelts, go ahead and strap yourself in, you know what I'm saying? Turn up the volume a little bit more on your iPod, you know, your eye ears, whatever you're listening to. You know what I'm <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just tap in because uh, this is going to be dope. We got more interviews coming. We got, of course, we're going to hit you with the deep topics. We'll give you our takes on a lot of things. But yeah. we're going to do it in the way that we feel is more comfortable to us. You know what I mean? Most definitely. So, of course, we're always going to have that AZ and our root brewing that water on us. That's, that's, just, that's, just, that's just what we did. Yeah, yeah. But the vibe is the vibe. Yeah. Try this podcast is for you. you know Doesn't saying? that feel just so good? Like we, we get to call people the tribe, yes, but we're sir. really the tribe called blessed. You know what I mean? It's blessed. like we can still bring the AZs and the root brews yes. to the John, but you yes. know what I mean? Like it yes. just really feels good, like to call like to call people the tribe. You know, and I will even say this tribe, like if you have people that you think that would be good interviews for the pod, yo, have them reach out to us. You know what I mean? Like our biggest thing is we want to see people. We want to see people grow. We want to see yeah. people build. We want to see people. Um, we want to see people grow. We want to see people build. We want to see people uh, thrive. And if our platform is going to help people do that, like we want to be a part of that. You know, we want to most definitely whether we are the seeds or the water. You know what I mean to your plant. You know what I mean to your flowers yeah. to your fruit. Yeah. You know what I mean. We most definitely want to do that. So just like. If you guys know anybody, like anybody that you guys would feel would be a good asset or just needs a little more exposure, but that brings something just so dope to the table or has a story that bring that would give us like just some perspective, man, yo, send them over. Send them over. We most definitely want want to want to reach out and most definitely build our community because again, we are the tribe called Bless. You dig? So Yeah, um, so we're gonna bless the tribe with this flavor every time you click on it. You feel me? Yeah. Hey, and make sure, like, and like you said, make sure you tell your folks about it. You know what I'm saying? Tell your peoples. Hit the five stars. Give us that review. And you know what I'm saying? And let's just keep moving forward because this is this journey ain't gonna stop. We here. Not, it's not gonna stop at all. All right, so look. Uh and that's the reason why we kind of took a little break. We just had to get some things fine-tuned, schedules, but we wanted to make sure everything was in line. So when we come back, you're getting it from the tribe called Bless platform you know what i mean let's go so now let's hit the first topic in this new season right are we gonna start off heavy or we're gonna start off light no we're gonna start off light man let's start off light it might lead okay. into something heavy because you know what i'm saying we talk about it's been a lot bro you know what i'm saying but look over these last five weeks mm-hmm. a lot of us has been reliving our childhoods yeah you know, we've been seeing one of our our heroes tell his story finally because he's been he's like he's been like you know quiet for a long time um we got the michael jordan and the 98 chicago bulls documentary by espn slash netflix yeah the last dance it concluded what are your takeaways <laughs> let's what are your takeaways from this documentary um 
What do you think? Talk to us. We know the debates have been crazy about MJ and LeBron. You know I'm a LeBron fan. Right. I don't think LeBron is the GOAT. I just don't. Um, so, and I was I was able to I, I witnessed the MJ era. So yeah, uh, yeah. no, um, it, it, it's a lot to take in, bro. To be honest with you, um, I think the real question is not so much for me. I don't think the real question was so much of who's the goat or who's the best basketball player or who's the best team. I think the question for me is what does real leadership look like? Oh, let's go. <laughs> I agree with you. Okay. I'm glad we're talking about it from this angle. Yeah. See, this, I, hey, try, try. This is no, something no. You, you know, know what I mean? Saying? Like what is like, I think the, the biggest question because you had four levels of leadership that was truly displayed on that documentary. Mm-hmm. You had uh, uh, Ryan, Reinsdorf, the, the owner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You had Jerry Cross, the general manager. Mm-hmm. You had Phil Jackson, the coach. And then you have, or you had coaches, Phil Jackson, Phil, uh, uh, Doug Collins. You know, you kind of go through that, 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 that line of leadership, right, from a coach's perspective. Mm-hmm. And then you had this Michael Jordan character that popped up. And what was really interesting to me, man, was like, I've had some conversations with people and I even mm-hmm. saw this tweet and I, I wanted to, re- I, I, I've saved it or I liked it or whatever. But one of the things that somebody said is like the people, like you have, again, I feel like we're going back to this. I think from going, watching this documentary, I think when Diddy went to this no eat, no sleep, uh, type of mentality, I think a lot of people bought into that, mm-hmm. that thing, right? And I do mm-hmm. think that there are seasons and times where, like, man, you're not going to sleep a lot, you know what I mean? Or your meals are going to be very spaced because you're just in, like, purposeful grind mode, right? But mm-hmm. I think we, I think sometimes we prescribe to that mentality that, like, man, if I'm, if I, if I sleep more than seven hours, or if I eat all three meals and take breaks, like, I'm not really grinding, um, mm-hmm. And I think um, what took place is I think some people are like, if you really like kind of, I think some, we have to be careful from watching the documentary, like, because I think a lot of people want to prescribe this idea of, man, if I don't, if I don't, uh, if I'm not tough on my people, if I don't berate them, then we're not going to get the final results. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I think for I think based on you and I'm this is my bias I think based on personality, based on environment and upbringing yes there is a truth to that you do need leaders I know some of my favorite people in my life that have led me are people that weren't like they were loving people but they were very strict and very regimented and militant in their approach now mm-hmm. could I deal with that for could I deal with that for nine months out of my life no mm-hmm. sometimes I need somebody to pat me on the back. Sometimes I need somebody to like to hug me and just let me know I'm doing a good job. I do think mm-hmm. that in some some of the uh, some of the scenes, and I love what Steve Kerr did. Man, there ain't no way, ain't no way, bro. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I don't, you ain't no way. Mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. what uh, Uncle Shannon said. Uncle Shannon was like, "Ain't no way, bro. Like ain't you no ain't way. gonna like you gonna tell me that you're gonna I can't eat." You know what I mean? Yeah, nah. That, yeah, what he was that, doing, Horace Grant, was crazy. That's like borderline abusive. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I think, like, man, I think, um, I think, um, in certain ways, it, it, it was like 
the question is what does real leadership prescribe to like that's the truth um, I, I love that you said that because um my this is my whole take and i've been saying this for years where people try to debate um mj versus lebron or kobe versus lebron because you always hear people say the same thing about kobe that they say about mj oh um um basically it's the well like mj said the win at all costs type of thing you know oh no their their will to win is unmatched they're so competitive like they carry their teams on their back you're going to sit here and tell me that lebron never carried his team on his back bro like and so that's that's the conversation right and we see like if you want to look at it, like a three-way, uh, like a three, uh, remember uh, like when we did fractions in uh, in like grade school and we used to do like the line fractions where yeah. it'd did be you, like- Did you see the way Jay Williams broke it down? No, share please. He broke it down. He asked, he asked people, he said, what leadership will be best for you? He said, you have a person like Michael Jordan who's very um, militant, very strict on you, very hard. Yeah. But he said, but you fear him, but you cannot talk to him. There's not an open door policy with that. You just basically being directed. He said, do you have somebody like a Kobe Bryant who might be a little bit more open? He said, but even when you gain his respect enough for him to speak to you, he's still very standoffish. Or you have somebody like LeBron who some would say is a more passive aggressive type, but he's willing to walk with you every step of the way. But the moment after chance after chance, he sees that you're not on board, you're out. Like I'm like, bruh, and that's the, so that was exactly what I was going to go to. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was like, I look at it as a spectrum. I feel like, I feel like you have an extreme, one extreme, which would be Michael, one extreme, which would be LeBron. I think in the middle, the middleman would really be Kobe. Because mm -hmm. one of the things that we saw in Kobe's career was at the latter run, when I think that he realized I'm not going to really win a lot of more championships with the teams that are surrounded me. I'm getting older. I feel like that's when he really got into his teaching mode. You know what I mean? Like, and we talked about it a few episodes back where, um, you know, he started, you know, really um, elevating um, uh, uh appropriate you know women's rights you know what i mean and really like just being uh, like a cheerleader for like uh women's athletics and you know uh mm -hmm. women's leadership and things of that nature and so i feel like for me it would have to be a nice balance between you know uh, you know a leader that people don't really talk about a lot people don't talk about stephen curry's leadership that dude is elite you know what i mean and well, i think a, and I only say this because again, I like, believe he is a leader too. I think there's different styles of leadership, and uh -huh. not one, not I. I personally believe this, and this has always been my argument. When it comes to people comparing MJ, when it comes to the will, I think people are in love with his style mm -hmm. because it's been marketed so much. You got to think about it. Like, I, um, who said this? I forgot who I was watching, but they made a. Oh, John Sally said this. And John Sally is one of Michael Jordan's good friends. He said Michael Jordan is a product of one of the greatest marketing campaigns in sports history. He said there can't the marketing from Nike and the NBA has been so strong that it makes people believe a form of Michael Jordan that doesn't even exist. That's so real, bro. And so I just think that uh, it's style. Like, you can't tell, for instance, this is for instance, the perfect example of what I'm gonna tell you. Like you said, you broke it down perfectly. There's the, le the, the leadership of the owner, the leadership of Phil Jackson, 
than the leadership of Michael Jordan, right? Mm-hmm. Think about this, though. Um, what about the coaches before Phil? Michael Jordan, and this is what I tell people all the time, and, it, it, and Michael Jordan made it very clear in his documentary. I don't care how great you are, how much ability you have. When it comes to team sports, coaching is crucial. Teammates are crucial. So this whole argument of like, I hear people say, I'm a, I'm a part of this Facebook uh, group, uh, basketball, and people just worship Michael Jordan and Kobe in there. And it's like, oh, they, they could have won championships. No. Michael Jordan is not winning no championship without um, Scottie Pippen. He made that clear. He's not winning any championship with another coach because he scored 63 and lost, took an L. He was balling out with Doug Collins, bro, killing with Doug Collins and was catching L's. But Phil Jackson was the only one who told him, you're never going to win like that. choice is yours but you ain't gonna never win like that and people don't want to talk about that but that's the reality of michael jordan was so one track minded on a certain style of leadership but he didn't he didn't see until an outside person looking in was able to see like yo the way that is you're never going to win what you need to do is trust me a little bit more i'm going to take the ball out your hands yeah and what we're going to do is let pippen bring the ball up so you can focus on other aspects You know what I'm saying? Dude. But that doesn't that doesn't take away from Michael Jordan being the GOAT though. And I think that but it just it, I think he made it very clear. It showed me it made it very clear like um we fallen in love with the style, bro. Yeah. And we made that style the standard. But Kareem, he got six two. You forget we, about that. We never heard him going around slapping and punching teammates in the mouth, even though teammates fight. But we never heard people talk about him like that. We never heard people talk about Elijah Wan like that. We never hear people talk about Bill Russell like that. And think about how many people of Michael Jordan's teammates are coming out like, nah, bro, you crossed the line with this documentary. So that just shows me, like, is that really a great style of leadership? Yeah, like, it's really interesting, man. Like, it kind of broke my heart, that Horace Grant scene. Those Horace Grant scenes... And even some of the post stuff that has taken place. Because it's like, man, this dude was your power forward. Power forward ain't no, ain't no small position. There's a strength and a finesse that has to take place in that position. And Horse got three three championships with you. Mm-hmm. But now he has to defend himself again and say, we can either have a face-to-face or we can handle this like men. That says a lot to me. You know what I mean? This is a crazy thing. Me and Michael, we share a name and we share a birthday. So I'm like, man, I, you know, man, when you're talking, when you talk about the, you're so right when you say like, when you talk about like the image that they gave Michael, they gave that buddy a nice image, yo. I'm gonna tell you how crazy the image is, bro. And think about this. It's so strong, the marketing, that people believe everything that he said on that documentary like it was gold. But it was clear to me that he's a liar, too. Till this day. So it's like, 
I can't even believe this documentary, everything coming from his mouth as truth. Because like the, when that hit me is when they talk about that. Um, what about that dude from Washington? Remember that dude from Washington that um, that got him, that got the best of him in the game before, and then they, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. The next night it was a back to back, and it was in Washington. So then years later, <laughs> they was like, oh, so um, did oh boy ever tell you, you know, hey, good game? And he was like, nah, that didn't happen, bro. You let people believe that for like ten years? I can't believe you, bro. I can't believe anything's coming out of your mouth. You feel what I'm saying? I do. Like, he's crazy, bro. Like honestly, Michael Jordan needs some help, bro. He needs help, bro. He ain't. He ain't right in the head, bro. Like, that meme had me. That meme I sent you had me dying. And where he it's was the like, "Truth, bro." Patrick Ewing's like, "Yo, do your things tonight, dog." And he was like, "You said do what?" <laughs> exactly. So it's just, but it, it, it like, oh man, like I felt bad for Isaiah Thomas. I'm like, yo, bro, like this cat had to go on a media campaign basically to defend himself and i i don't i don't think that's cool i think what's interesting too there's a couple of things that i struggle with this documentary overall cin- cin- cinematography mm-hmm. storyline layout was amazing mm-hmm. two things i struggle with it it, it should have been called michael jordan's last dance <laughs> right. <laughs> right i wish they would have covered his season with the wizards but see, that's gonna make him look real bad Bruh, but it's still a part of his journey. He came back. But I don't think that that is... Bro, the marketing is so crazy, bro. Cause think about it. Michael, he came out was like, oh, I think people going to look at me a different way. Bro, the way you had yourself painted, brother, that was Picasso painting that picture on the field. You came out looking like a god. You know what I'm saying? Like, straight up. Damn, like, but you feel me? Like... But then it's going to get to the deep, dirty work, though. Now I was going to get back into that because there was no success there. See, the only, the only remedy for how he was treating people was the success. But no success came from the Wizards. No, every, every, yo, bruh. Jerry Stackhouse recently was like, bro, I wish I never even played with the man. Like, it ruined my image of who I looked up looked up to. So I don't think he want to go there. But it's, it, it's interesting, too, because Rip Hamilton, like, praises Michael Jordan. And he was on that Wizards squad. I think Tyrone Lue was on that team, too. Mm-hmm. With Michael. When he got but traded got- from... I think that um, because of who he is, though, a lot of people, some people won't come out and speak negative. You know what I'm saying? Um, I, okay, I recently, I listened to this podcast with this dude named, it's not even on a podcast, it's like, it's a it's a visual podcast of, um, it's called The No Agendas, and that's with Kendrick Perkins and uh, Rashad Phillips. So he had told this dope story about Michael Jordan. When he first met Michael Jordan, he said that it was when Michael Jordan was preparing himself to come back for the Wizards, right? So he said that um, at the he was being trained by Tim. He was trained. He was being trained by Tim Grover, and Tim Grover was um, training Michael Jordan and some other players, right? But at this time, this is what Michael Jordan. The rumors were out there, but nobody was able to like verify it. So this is very top secret workouts he was doing. So he said that one day he was um, they were, they were at this facility in Chicago. So basically, it was him, uh, Ron Artez, a bunch of different other players, right? They were living in this um, building, which had a gym for three months, training with Tim Grover, Michael Jordan, and these players. He was like, so he was preparing himself for the draft. So he said that, um, he said at this time, he said, I didn't even know Michael Jordan was going to make a comeback. He said, I'm just there working with Tim Grover. 
he said, so as I'm on the weights, he said, um, I, I'm, I'm doing my weights, I'm doing my bench. He said, and I hear a door close behind me. He said, so as I get up to take my breath, I, I feel somebody tap me on my knee. It was like, what's up, shot? He said, I look up and it's Michael Jordan. He said, so I'm tripping. I'm looking like, oh my God, this is, this is Michael Jordan. What the heck is he doing here? He said, so then um, Tim comes in. They do their work. So he said, like, Tim Grover had everybody on a, on a stacked schedule. He was the first one of the day. So he comes in at 6. MJ was coming in at 7. Other players coming at 8, 9, right? He said, then by the time it got to the afternoon, everybody was wrapping up, and then they'll start doing pickup games. So he said, as he was, he said, so he's tripping out. He saw Mike. He said, man, I remember I rushed home. I told my dad, and I was like, dad, you're not going to believe who came up to the gym today. And he was like, cool. He was like, dude, it was Michael Jordan. He was like, what? Michael Jordan? He's like, yeah, man. He's like, I think he's in there working out. He's in, I, I, they, they were saying that he might try to make a comeback. He said, Dad was like, are you serious? He was like, yeah. He said, well, I go back tonight. Um, you know, that's when we're going to do our pickups or whatever. So he was like, oh, man, okay. So he said, he gets back into the gym. He said, Mike was like, hey, Rashad, hey, you on my team tonight. I want you on my squad tonight. He was like, make sure you keep your mother effing hands ready. So he said he was looking like, okay, whatever. So he said, he said he'd never seen nothing like this before. He says, so well, MJ and them was playing, right? He said he was on this, he was on his team. He he remember Ron Artest being on the uh, on the opposite team. It was some other players he named. Uh, Jamal Crawford was there. Um, who else? Somebody else. He said, but he it was him, Jamal Crawford, MJ was on the same team. Um, I can't remember the other names, but it was some some players. Some heavy, some heavy hitters. Some heavy hitters, right? So he said that um, he said MJ is killing, right? He said, of course, he wasn't as explosive. He said, but he knew perfectly how to pick his spots and just work you in those spots. Yeah. So he said, so he said during the whole time he'll be like, "Hey, Shaw, you got, hey, see, you ain't paying attention. Keep your mother effing hands ready." Uh, you heard what I said? Keep your mother effing hands ready. So he said, he said, I never let him down. He said, I'm running on defense. He said, but he kept telling me. Hey, he said, he'll, he'll, he's directing people. He's like, hey, hey, Jamal, get over over there. Hit that screen. I'm coming. To you. I'm, I'm going to get it right back to you. Hey, over there. Hey, hey, you can't guard me. Hey, Rashad, I remember what I told you. Keep your mother effing hands ready. Keep your effing hands ready. So he said, and every once in a while, he said, he said, it was a play that happened where he said, MJ drove. They cut him off. He did a spin into a fadeaway, and then he popped the back. He said, I'm looking at him just glide. I'm like, oh my God, like this is the fadeaway I've been idolizing my whole life. He said, and the next year I know, I just see the ball coming into my direction. He says, like, I snapped out of it and I caught the ball, but I couldn't shoot because they ran up on me. And he was like, Sean, hey, stop all that daydreaming. Hey, get in, get in the effing game. Keep your mother effing hands ready. So he said he was like, so he was talking about his leadership, and uh, yeah. he was saying like, um, he said now, so he was saying like throughout the game, there's times he popped that ball to him and he was, he said, I didn't miss. He said, I probably missed like one or two shots. And he said, at the end of that game, he said, MJ would tell me, he was like, hey, I'm going to get you in shape. He said, he said, by the time you get to the league, I'm going to get you in shape. He said, remember, whenever you play, keep your mother effing hands ready. You know what I'm saying? So, um, but he was saying, he was like, now being able to, he said, being those three months playing with Michael Jordan, I could definitely see how people, how he could rub people the wrong way. Yeah. He said, cause he's a very, he's a he said when it, yeah, he said, <laughs> he said when it comes to training, he said when it comes to any aspect of playing basketball, it's a no nonsense attitude. He said, and what he does is whether you, in a very uncomfortable way, 
he pulls you up. He pulls whatever is inside of you up to his level. Wow. And if you wait, and if you ain't on that level, you're not touching the court. And if you win the game, you're not touching the ball. Period. It ain't it ain't happening. He said, and he he said it's like he could sense it in you. Like he could sense, okay, no, you ain't got it. Let's get somebody else in. You know what I mean? So he was saying that he could definitely see how players could rub him the wrong way. He said, now that was just three months. He said, but imagine being under that for years. You know, he says it, it can wear on people. Yeah. Um, because this is the thing, man. So my, um, man, that's a crazy story. Number yeah, one. Yeah, that tripped me out. Yeah. This is the thing, man. My dad, he, uh, he recently gave me this book um, called Leadership Prayers. I'm actually looking at it right now. And one thing that we have to understand, man, and it's different for everybody. Now, this is one thing, and I have to, I have to come in, I have to come to grips with this. When you get to play basketball at that level, you have the freedom, for the most part, to just only focus on basketball. Absolutely. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then for the LeBrons of the world, the Kobe's, and even some of the guys that are not like the Michaels. You know what I mean, or the 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 Kevin Durant or Seven Currys. Mm-hmm. You can still you have the freedom. You have the you have the freedom to really do whatever you want. Like you can open a restaurant, you can write books. You know what I mean. You can open schools. You know what I mean. You can right, open. Right. You know what I mean. So think about it. Michael Jordan at that time has just the freedom to focus on getting his body in shape and making sure that his shoes sell off the off the rack. You, you know what I mean? So now the expectation, you know, now that expectation is, the expectation is now, okay, like you're in my world now. Like mm-hmm. this, I gave you guys permission to do what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And now he's like, he, so like when he's given that, like that type of directive, it's like, it, it it's like, because this is all I think about. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. But what I, was, what I was trying to get to is I think sometimes the difference between people like Michael Jordan and other players is like, is, and going back to this book that my dad gave me, um, one thing that it hit, it was like, it would be the, the definition for some players is basketball is what I do, but it's not who I am. You know what I mean? But it sounds like what Michael is like, basketball is what I do and it's also who I am. It's who he is, yes. You know what I mean? So even going back to what we were talking about earlier, it's like those imaginary, like those imaginary Storylines that he created in his head, right, bro? Like that's it, he made him. He made basketball who he is, yeah, and what he does. You know right. what I mean? Like it has every fiber of his being. That could be a good thing. That could be a very scary thing in the same breath. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Because yeah, it, it can be. You know, because it's like you know, say for instance, if like something falls off, it's like what else do you have besides basketball? You know what I mean? Um. You know, one thing that I, I think is important, and I th- and I and I and I noticed that um, I think what's what's important we have to pay attention to um, when it comes to players is um, and their personality traits. That um, is their upbringing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was talking to my brother, and he was talking about um, he was talking to me about um, MJ, Kobe, and LeBron. And I was telling him, and my brother was like, yeah, you know, uh, LeBron, you know, he's not like that. You know, he's not. I said, you know what, man? I think what it is is that um, MJ, MJ played from a very, uh, how can I say this? Even looking at that story, he played from a place of 
always feeling he has to prove somebody. He has to prove always. himself. Always. From the moment, and I think when you talked about it some weeks ago when you was like, dude, he never got over the fact that um, he was cut in high school. Like, it's like that, whatever that happened with that, no, he never got over the, uh, he even said in the, in the documentary that he felt like he was always having to prove himself to his father. Mm. So, and then the, then the high school thing, because, you know, he was, um, his, his father was very hard on him. His brother was the one who always used to beat him in basketball. Yeah. So he was trying to impress his father. And then the basketball thing happened in high school, right? Yeah. So as like you listen to that, he he from those foundational experiences in his life, he created this. He he created in his mind a chip on his shoulder that he always have to challenge and overcome. And I'll say this too, man. Like you're you're so on it because I have family in North Carolina, and when I go to North Carolina, one of the things that I I, I sense a lot there are two things that I sense a lot is very Bible Belt, mm-hmm. very blue collar. Mm-hmm. Yes, you have city like we're in California right now, so even suburbs have some city like right ness right. to it. Right, bro. The sub out there, like for me, at least in my uh, humble opinion, suburbs over there would be almost like country to us. Mm, right, very right. green, very tree like. You know what I mean? It's just very blue collar to me. Right, very, very blue collar. And so, um, bro. So you also so you have a blue collar. You have a a blue collar environment. You have a father like straight out straight out of Wilmington, North Carolina. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's like, um. It's like, man, yeah, like, it's not just like, I don't think it was just his father. I think, man, like, his upbringing. upbringing in general. He went mm-hmm. to he went to North Carolina, uh, UNC. You know what I mean? Dean's very blue, very mm-hmm. blue collar upbringing, bro. And then to transition that into, like, the hustle of Chicago. Because Chicago got a hustle to it, bro. Like, yeah, you definitely. know what I mean? Like, regardless of how we want to look at it, like, it's, you know... Like the windy city has nothing to do with breezes, right? Right. right. You, you, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. You know, for the longest, I learned that. Like maybe I go lie. I learned that maybe like like three months ago that the windy city had more to do with some of the crime scene more mm-hmm. than it had to deal with the like the breeze and the right, coldness. Right. You know what I mean? Right, so, right. um, man, like very like just yo, he he had to be on his grind. You know what I mean? Yeah, just bro. like that's just. Yeah, because if you think facts. about um, if you think about Kobe's upbringing, it, it makes sense. Like if you just think about their upbringing, it makes sense. You know, coming from overseas to here, never felt like he truly fed in, um, fit in. So what do you do? Basketball. It's all about basketball. 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 It's that um, escape. That escape and to the point where he became kind of socially awkward. Yeah. Because, and then he comes into the league early. He, At- everybody's older than him. Age of eighteen, bro. Yeah, he can't do anything, so he's by himself. Then the rape cape hat, cape hat, uh, cape happens, case happens, and then boom, he's truly by himself again. So now he creates the the whole mamba, and he's played from anger ever since that happened. Like he switched from that when he created the mamba, when he was going through that rape case to then the way he played basketball came from an angry place. It was kind of scary. It was scary. It's like, dude, bro, okay, relax. Chill out. It was, it was kind of like when no. you used to make that face, like that teeth face. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, bro. So then you think about LeBron, 
single parent household coming from poverty. Bruh, he looks like he plays the way he plays the basketball live his life is like, bruh, this is the happiest thing that ever came into my life. Bruh, and enjoy it. He plays with so much joy. You remember watching more than a game? And it yes. makes sense. It makes sense, bro. Because like he was saying, like, I never had siblings, and these guys, when he talked about Rome and and yes. all those guys, he was like, Man, this is the, these are the closest things that I've had to my brothers. And then you talk about the Paul Rich situation and the other guys. So like everybody that he's done work with that has brought him success. Yeah. Has 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 been a part that has been part of success. He's poured into their success as well. Yes. yes. Which is different because even like you know going back to the last dance, man. Um, it was just crazy to see how how Pip didn't get no financial love, bro. That is <sighs> nuts. A lot of that to me. stuff was uh... It was shenanigans, bro. Like you're the he. What what did they say? Like he was like the hundred something. The hundred something in the league, like seventh on the roster and getting paid. And then did you see that gap between him and did you see the gap between Michael and the second person getting paid? I think Cool Coach was getting paid more than Pippen was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, he got his money later, but like, it's no way he could be making that much money doing that championship runs like that. Like, that's just out of this world ridiculous, bro. Do you think he was getting any residuals from uh, the shoe the shoe deals? Yeah, I mean later on, I mean right after that Bulls contract, he got his money. I mean he signed like a sixty something million contract with the Houston. Then he got traded to the Rockets. I mean to the Blazers, and then he got his money there. So he made like a hundred something million his whole career. Of course, he gets money. Um, I think he gets the residuals from the the Nike stuff. But still, though, bro, like. Jeez. I mean, MJ got his money later, too. I don't think MJ really started getting paid until that last three-peat. Got you. But he was still getting that that, that shoot. Yeah, he's he, getting but, a shoot. But when you compare, like, Jordan's endorsements versus Pippen's endorsements. Oh, yeah, it's totally different. Jordan had McDonald's, Gatorade. Right. He probably had some type of ABC Disney deal on top of, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, I mean, like. So we're, you know, we're. Think about it. He's still got these endorsements to this day. Still. And then he's the owner of the Bobcats or the, the the Hornets. No, I mean, think about it. He owns a percentage of Nike now. They opened up his own wing in Nike. He owns Jordan like about 60-40, I think, which is a is a, 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 it's a derivative of the Nike brand. So That's it's kind of like a record deal. Like he has his own label, Jordan, but it's being distributed through Nike. And he has his own wing at the Nike campus. Like, that's ridiculous. So he's almost getting double money. Yeah. And I think LeBron is the only player out of Michael Jordan who's able to get the same thing. Build a wing, well, and now he's doing his thing. Because LeBron, uh, LeBron got a lifetime deal with Nike. Mm-hmm. So I think he's the only player outside of MJ to ever, I guess, reach that type of status. But still, that's crazy. That's like dumb money, bro. Like that's... Oh, that's... I mean, I, I, but I didn't realize that... Nike basically built their basketball brand off of MJ. I didn't realize that when I was until I watched that documentary. I was like, it makes so much sense why he's like the face face of Nike basketball. Yeah, they were showing. I was looking at Instagram today. They were showing uh, some of the old LeBron commercials, and it's like how they formulate those commercials. Man, the Nike commercials alone, it's the Jewish marketing, were fierce. We're like yeah. so fierce, right? Um, but man, the Michael Jordan commercials. From Gatorade to Nike to McDonald's 
And there's probably other endorsements. There's probably international endorsements that we have no idea about Absolutely. that Michael's connected with just because of just because of his, you know, his celebrity. You know what I mean? Okay, I have a question for you. Two questions. If Michael Jordan never retired the first time, do you think they would have won those two years against Houston, hypothetically seeing Houston? And do you think that they would have been able to win a seventh ring if they stayed together one more year? Now, mind you, that year after that was the lockout year. So that was only 50 games, and that was when it was San Antonio. And that's when Timmy first came into the late – they said Timmy's second year, and he was going bonkers. He just, just – so do you think Michael Jordan would have won those two years first after – if he didn't retire the first time? I mean, I'm going to say Michael Jordan, the Bulls. Because I don't want to put it all on MJ because that's so wrong. I, You know, genuinely, bro, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be so, so, so PC on this. I don't know. Yeah, I'll be and I'll be honest with you. People got to understand, man. Looking at that documentary, that this this should have said one thing. Watching that documentary, the West, the West, the Western Conference wasn't always dominant. No, absolutely not. Uh. Uh-uh. You had the Miami. It was actually number one. Looking at that documentary, one not just because not just because the the Bulls won. But there was really a season where the East Coast was dominant and then also East and West Coast was very balanced. Right, right. There's actually more years than none where I feel like the East Coast was was as balanced as the West Coast. Mm-hmm. I think just recently now, because also you're talking about like there was no real push of social media. Mm-hmm. Internet didn't really come into play until 96. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about very slow dial-up in comparison to like the technology that we have today. Right. Um, you know, you just have you have all those things to come to play. So um I don't know. And also what I would say, man, you had a hungry rookie Shaq. Mm-hmm. You had a hungry Anthony Hardaway. Mm-hmm. You had a dominant New York Knicks team that should mm-hmm. have probably won some championships. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about this though we're talking about this first three right three right. Pete. You're talking about um you're talking about a very hungry and very well balanced Indiana Pacers team with the okay. likes of Mark Jackson, Reggie hey, Miller. People forget about that team. People forget Rick about Smith, that team. Yeah. Uh, uh, Antonio Davis and Dale Davis. Right. That was on that team. You had a strong Miami Heat team with the likes of Harold Miner, Dan Marley, Alonzo mm-hmm. Mourning, and Timmy Hardaway, mm-hmm. and some other really dope role players. Dude, I remember um, Miami and New York used to have wars, bro. Oh, easy. And then people uh, also forget about a, a very heavy Milwaukee Bucks team mm-hmm. with Glenn Robinson and with uh, uh with Ben Baker before yeah. Ben Baker went to the Supersonics. Yep. Squads had like and, and that was also the year of big men. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So mm-hmm. I think um I think like people completely forget like yo these squads east coast was nice and the west coast again utah jazz los angeles lakers supersonics mm-hmm. um the clippers weren't even uh clippers were a joke during that time right um but you had you both know, portland suns. Tra- suns portland trailblazers like you right. really had very well balanced mm-hmm. very defensive minded nba it mm-hmm. wasn't this 127 to 152 Right. Point score, you know what I mean? It was very like very defensive minded, very slow paced, very methodical, methodical game. You know what I mean? So, um, I don't know. Second, 
I would say though, bruh, a rested Michael Jordan decree season. No, the Bulls would have probably went fifty and oh. I, I thought <laughs> that I second, think that, too. that second, I, that second run. I, I think. Um, I don't know if they would have been able to do a four or five P. I don't. I don't know if that's even. Dang, I don't. I want to see it to believe it. But you know what's crazy? One person did four P. Steve that Kerr. Oh, because he went to the Spurs. Right but he didn't after, go to the Spurs. He went right after that 3 P. He got traded to the Spurs after that second 3 P. So he won in 98? He won in 98 99? with the Spurs. I mean, with the Spurs. Wow. Yeah, okay. that, I, I saw that. So he is somebody that did officially 4 P. He just 4 P with totally two different teams. Right, right. Um, yeah, the first, I don't think they would have been able to do a 4 or 5 P. No. Uh, I'm, I agree with you. I think if, with, if Scottie Pippen came back, and this is hypothetically speaking, if Scottie Pippen was able to come back, they keep that team the way it is, and you give all those players that amount of rest, and you only tell them to play 50 games, I think, like you said, I think it's going to at least be 40 to 10, 45, 5, like yeah. close to 50 straight wins. Yeah. Um, some of those, I will say this, man, like, in a, this will probably be the last thing I'll say on this, but I think just some of those narratives and the reason why, like, those guys got traded was just dumb to me. Yeah. Like, bro, like Jerry, like, and this is nothing against Jerry Cross, but man, you got, you have like literally the best of everything. You have the best three, the best two, and the best four on your team. Mm-hmm. And you're in st- the best coach of all time, and you're really going to shut it down. Like, you're adamant about that. Like, this kind of felt like he set his team up for like a lot of failure. Do I remember when I, when I was a kid and I, and I was being said, and to see Michael Jordan actually retire, bro, like, it broke my heart, bro. Oh, like, yes. I was a huge Bulls fan huge Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen fan and I was just couldn't to this day I still can't wrap my head around like why like why yeah. don't you want to continue to like win like I I don't understand it and that broke my heart bro I will never forget the NBA season after MJ retired bro it was so dry bro oh, it was, was mad like, dry bro for a couple of years bro it wasn't the same bro it was just like man what is this it really like I think that that year after MJ retired was hard I think the year that the Lakers, because the year after that would be when the Lakers would start their their dynasty, yeah, right? And then that's when the East Coast would have their run, where it was like Detroit, right. um, Detroit and the Celtics, and then the Lakers right. would run again. Yeah. And then who else went on? Like, and then the Warriors and like the Cavs kind of had their yeah. thing, you know, going on with a couple of Miami Heat championships. Okay. As well. So be- before we get out of this, um, Two things that was re- one thing that was revealed, and I'm gonna ask you another question after this. It's gonna be completely off topic, but uh, basketball related. Um, how did the, the big reveal in episode ten of the Last Dance was that Phil Jackson was offered to come back for one more season, but he said no. What was you thinking? I never heard that before. That was everybody was like, <gasps> like, what was you thinking when you heard that? I don't blame him. Okay. I don't. I don't. Um... Think about all the emotional. I put it like this. It's going to hit a little home when I say this. Mm-hmm. It's like being in a relationship. Mm-hmm. You've been in this relationship. You you say because of our, we know that we're we're going to finish this thing out strong right. until this moment because you know we do need each other's support in this time. But when this date hits, you know we really need to go our separate ways. So mm-hmm. I'm going this way. You're going this way. You know, I want to be with you, but I can't be with you because of these reasons. But we'll just go, we're going to just work it out for for this long until this actual day. And mm-hmm. then 
there is a glimpse of hope that says, hey, you know, we actually probably could work this out. Like, we could do that. You know how pulling that is? Right. Like, how right. stressful that is? And then, man, you're dealing with grown men, and then a grown man has told you in his business model, I'm going to keep your contract to this time. Oh, never mind. You know, we see that there's light at the end of this tunnel. Right. You know, like, right. why don't you come back? Like, nah, man, right. I think Phil, Phil, knowing who Phil is and, or who had, Phil has revealed himself to be, well, like, he wasn't with that. He's just like, man, like, I, let me do some meditation. Let me go to Montana. Right, right. And let me smoke some of that ganja. <laughs> you know <what> I'm <laughs> that loud. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, man, I don't blame him. Right. I, right. I, I just genuinely, I just, just in my state of mind, I just really don't blame him. Like, right. That's right. a lot. That, that's a lot mentally to, to yeah. prepare to end and then somebody like, oh, never mind. Right, right. You know, yeah. you, you yeah. went beyond my expectations. We want exactly. you back. Like, that's exactly. whack. You know what I mean? So, right. all right. So, before we get off this, we move on to the next topic. I want to ask you, what's your top five? This has been the question that's been floating around, and Paul Pierce lost his dog on mine. Disrespect to M- I mean LBJ, but I get it. Yeah, I truly get it from his standpoint, from his perspective. I mean, so I'm not even tripping off of that. That's that's his personal list. But um, your top five. Let me tell you something that's crazy, and I tell people this all the time, and I'm glad it was said during a documentary. I remember during Michael Jordan's run in his career. People re- got to remember, they're already calling him the GOAT three rings in. Mm. Because at the time, out of all the legends that played, I'm talking about Dr. J, Bird, Magic, Kareem, and all of them. They never three-peated. That's crazy. So when he finally three-peated, I specifically remember them saying, like, oh, he's the greatest of all time. This is the first time we've seen a, a star three-peat like this, you know? And then, so he, think about it. He wasn't as, so it goes back to this GOAT argument. He wasn't as de- decorated as he is um, as he is now when they were already calling him the GOAT. Yeah. And, like, everybody was saying he was the greatest of all time. Only three rings in, that's what, three MVPs in, three finals MVPs in. So I'm just, it's just, it's just crazy. Yeah. And I just think the second three P and everything just added onto that. Yeah. Um, so but you, got me, you got me thinking. Who's is, who is your, uh, who's your top five? It's going to be hard. Okay. I would almost rather do a top 10, but I'll just do a top five and then we'll figure out who else who yeah, should we'll be honorable we'll, mentions. We'll revisit. Okay. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Before we do this. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this after um after you say what you're gonna say. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna this is no typical order, but these are my top five greatest of all time. Mm-hmm. And oh, that's always is, the best way to answer it. In no is, particular order. This is so hard, but you gotta give it to, I'm I'm gonna put Kareem in there. hmm I'm gonna put Michael. hmm I'll put Kobe. hmm LeBron. hmm And surprisingly. Although I want to put somebody here, I'm going to put Jerry West as my fifth. Okay. 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 I have no, hey, look, when it comes to lists, I have come to the point, to, to, to the point of like, your list is your list. But let me, let me give the reason why I'm going to put Jerry West as a fifth. I really want to put Magic Johnson there. Mm-hmm. Actually, I'm going to tie it. For fifth, I'll put Magic and Jerry West there. Okay. I think 
but what what all the reason why I picked that list specifically, um, that list specifically was because um, trendsetters and shifters of the game, right? I think I said Kareem in general because I think out of all the goats in general, he probably has the most championships from high school to the NBA level. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael, I think he just has changed the game. I think Kobe was our modern day Jordan for those for us millennials that were able to watch Jordan, right? And Gen Zers that were able mm-hmm. to watch um, um, Kobe. Um, I think LeBron again. When you talk about overall game and leadership, goodness gracious. Mm-hmm. Magic Johnson, when he came to the league, again, game changer, mm-hmm. trendsetter, six nine point guard, playing center, mm-hmm. all the pistol Pete stuff, but with mm-hmm. a little more flash. He was Showtime, right? But I mean, man, you also got to give it up for Jerry West. He is the logo, right? Right. You know what I mean? Like, so top six, five and a half. You know what I mean? Like, those would be my top. I think, and I will say this. Uh, I think you know. In three more years, when healthy and when when their careers are over, I, I would most definitely would say that Stephen Curry and Kevin Durant will most definitely be in that conversation. Right. Right. I yeah. agree. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I definitely top, agree. What's yours? Uh my top three is is just it's it's stamped. Other two, you can swap them how you want to swap them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh MJ, I have LeBron number two. I have Kareem number three. Kareem number three. And I have a reason why. Okay, and then number four. Ooh, number four. Hmm. Number four, I want to say is Magic. Okay. Number five will be for me. Oh, this is tough. It is, bro. I'm gonna give it to Tim Duncan. Yeah. Got number, you. number six, I will give it to Shaq. Seven, Kobe. Shaq hit my list as you were talking. I was just like, yeah. All right, so I'm. I know people are gonna be like, oh, why you have LeBron so high? Boom, 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 boom. And another thing too, this is just. I normally wouldn't even put LeBron in this list because he's still playing. I believe it's just, just kind of unfair because he's still creating his, he's still playing. You yeah. don't know how this is going to end. And I believe even with this rest, LeBron going to play for at least four, maybe max five years. You know what I'm That's saying? That's real. And I think especially after seeing this documentary, he like, yo, I'm going to go for it. I got to go for it. Um, yeah. Kareem, definitely all around basketball career, probably the best he's ever seen. Yeah. He's probably been winning basketball since kindergarten. You know what I'm saying? Just know the playground. Yeah, he was just saying. Um, But when it comes to the NBA, take this into consideration. He played with Oscar Robertson, his first ring. His next five rings came with Magic Johnson. And those Laker teams were stacked. Oh, yeah. James, Byron. You talking about super teams? Super teams of the day? Yeah, they were just different because they weren't uh, financially established. They were just naturally. So I just think that, you know, Magic, him having one of the greatest point guard of all time as his running mate. 
I'm, it doesn't take anything away from me, but you got to put that into to me in my in my mind. You got to take that in consideration when you talk about his greatness. That he had a dog, the greatest point guard of all time as his teammate. Yeah, like bruh. But Kareem, I was looking up Kareem. That cat was a no joke. So that's just why. Um, but yeah, that's what I think. Um, yeah, because I, I just I just wanted to ask you that because I know everybody's been trying to throw their top fives up there. But that stuff could change. Though. I mean, top fives could change. I mean, look, some, they're going to put out the Kobe documentary, I think, in a year or two. Yeah. Are you ready for that? Because he already had a type of documentary that was on Showtime. That was good, too. Um, yeah, I think this one is going to be on his last season. Okay, which will be so, good. I know that's going to be good. But you already know, though, they're going to take it back to when he first came in. They're trying to go back to his issues with Shaq, his death. That's just going to be tough. You know, I, I'll be honest with you, bro. Like, I love documentaries. Um, sometimes I struggle with documentaries, though, especially when it's, like, the same thing on one person. Mm -hmm. And I just want to see how they're going to flip this. Because, man, like, this wasn't the first Jordan documentary. There was no. a, there was, or, like, first Jordan documentary that dealt with some of his struggles. Because there was one documentary that 30 for 30 did. Um... When, the one when he was to play baseball, exactly. Right. That right. one was amazing, right? Um, but man, we'll see. We'll we'll yeah. see. We'll I see. mean, the next one up, the next one up is the Tom Brady next how year. You, how you feel about that? Oh my god, I cannot wait, bro. I love Tom Brady, bro. Tom Brady <laughs> is a beast, bro. Who do you think is going to be his antagonist? Because that's something that Jalen Rose talked about in on first take. He was like, "Man, I don't know about this because you got to have an antagonist." In, in the story, and who would be Tom Brady's antagonist? The NFL. Okay, drop the mic right there. <laughs> like that. Think about it. He has to play against these cheating. Oh, they're cheating. They're cheating. So think about it. Every time that Bill Belichick tried to get a one-up on the competition, Tom Brady had to suffer for it. And he kept overcoming it time and time and time again. So literally, his antagonist is the NFL. Like that. <laughs> Drop the mic, yo. So uh we'll see. Um but yeah, so look. Um another thing that's been taking place in America in the midst of this whole COVID nineteen situation, right? Uh was two situations that happened and it caused the black community again to 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 cause some ruckus. Yeah. And this time, people can't even say there was any type of violence. This was all done in a very peaceful, man, a peaceful way. Um, when it comes to the case of Ahmad Aubrey and Breonna Taylor, and Ahmad Aubrey literally set the internet on fire. And for the first time, with this situation, I'm seeing even white conservatives stand up and like. This is crazy. This is wrong. Yeah. Something needs to happen with this. Yeah. Um, and for those who don't know, Ahmaud Aubrey was a young African-American male who was caught. Um, a video was released um, of his death two and a half months ago. First of all, this case happened two and a half months ago. There were um, a father and son that basically... Uh, chased down Ahmad Aubrey, um, accusing him of um, burglarizing a home. They're attempting to do a citizen's arrest. Um, 
they had their guns drawn and Ahmad Aubrey and um, the son got into a struggle and Ahmad Aubrey ended up getting shot three times or two times. I'm not sure. I think it was two times. One was like a bra- it braised his hand and two times in the chest. He got shot with a shotgun two times in the chest and he ended up dying. Um, they're saying that um, he went out for a jog. He all, he was about staying in shape. So he was going out for a jog. Um, comes to find out that he went, there was a, he stopped in his neighborhood. That was like 10 miles away from his home. Um, and he stopped in his neighborhood and there was a house that was under construction. Nobody lived in his home. This house was be, literally being built. Um, it was open. It had no, no trespassing signs up or anything. Um, he went in, took a look around left out and the father and son saw him um called the police saying that there were some ugly burglaries in the whatever in their mind they caught the person that was doing ugly burglaries or whatever and they chased him down in their car um in their truck another person uh witnessed this pursuit decided to (laughs) insert himself in this too and videotape it and now he's arrested too. So the father, the thing, this is the thing that was crazy about the whole case was that when it was investigated the first time, initially, it was already ruled as if a burglary really was in progress and it caught the man. So they chased him trying to do a citizen's arrest. So the whole police report and everything was completely fabricated so that these two gentlemen didn't get arrested. Three district attorneys recused themselves because of the relationship they had with the father, which was like a private investigator for the state. The last district attorney, uh, well, the prosecutor was state defendant or whatever, recused itself but left a recommendation letter on why these men should not be arrested and why Ahmad Aubrey was basically a criminal in this situation. So for two and a half months, these guys were at killed a somebody on camera. The police was aware of the of the video, knew about the video, had the video. It was already circular circulating around in the town, and still made no arrest. I believe the people, the person that the lawyer that released the video was the lawyer of. It's a lawyer of one of the three men that got arrested for this. He released it because I guess he was trying to save face or whatever. Um, But it backfired. And once uh, everyone saw and then they saw the details of the case, it was like, no, it ain't no way possible. Batman and Robin could just be out here. You know what I'm saying? Right. Facing down people doing some vigilante stuff on, on, on just seeing someone run. Yeah. Um, so that's where we at now. If I'm missing anything or if I miss said anything. Nah, bro. I I be real with you and I don't know how good this is gonna sound. Probably not gonna sound good. I'm so torn by this. It's again one of those situations where you, where you feel but you just don't want to feel. Mm-hmm. You know, because 
it is one of those things where it is one of those things where you know you you're just kind of tired of seeing it. Mm-hmm. You're, you're tired of though know, you get tired of. I'll put it like this, man. This is one of the thoughts that came to my mind. I said, um, if something doesn't change, says something to, to the nature of my heart. Like if something doesn't change um, soon in regards to these um, these African Americans, these blacks being killed, there are going to be a lot of inter interracial relationships, and I, I mean that in the most platonic way, mm-hmm. that are going to be negatively affected if things don't start to change. Right. Um, you have, uh, you know, there are a lot of, I have a lot of friends that are not black. You know, there's a lot of people I know that, that are not black. I work in a, work in an organization where there are not a lot of, lot of black people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, serve in, I serve in another organization where um, there are not a lot of black people. You know what I mean? And for me, walking through this scenario or seeing the scenario, it, it, you know, when we talk about guarding our hearts, this is a scenario where you really have to guard your heart. Right. Because right. if you are not careful, you are not careful, um, people are, people, it is really going to miss you perception Mm-hmm. And it's it's hard enough, man, when you have the narrative of in, of African American and Black people that already think that race that there's already a racial divide that anybody outside of their of their race or culture, specifically those that are of the Anglo or the white the uh, of white uh, connection, they already those that already have negative perceptions, and those are always those are always being preached. We see it on Twitter. We mm-hmm. see it on, on Instagram. We see it on Facebook. When those when those narratives are continuously preached, you have no guard against that. Man, that becomes very rough, especially when these things pop up. Second thing, man, that doesn't make this scenario any easier is we're in a, a hard season of COVID nineteen. Mm-hmm. So I'm already frustrated that I gotta be in my house, and then I have to watch another African American male get shot defensively when you really had no grounds to to arrest him now you could you could have talked to him and waited for the police to come but you decided that you had to shoot him bro that is that is that is evil like you already had a plan Mm -hmm. you you know what i mean and so now you have you have this narrative you have it why you gotta have a gun to talk to somebody if somebody talks to me at 7-eleven like you better not i don't want to see no knife no gun no nothing. I mean, like, if you think about it, like, if I'm taking a jog and I walk into an abandoned house, he didn't take anything. The, the owner of the house was like, yo, he didn't take anything. Nothing was stolen. I didn't even call the police. So if I'm running, I go take a look at this house, um, and then I run off, and I'm continuing my jog, and I see somebody, basically, as I'm running, hey, yo, you was in that house still, it wasn't you. Yeah, yeah, we got you now. Oh, bruh, I'm taking off. Bruh, like... And then you roll up on me, you cut me off in the truck with the gun? Fam, how many how many people have gone into a newly developed uh, neighborhood where... I've done it multiple times, bro. Where, where like, it, it ain't nothing but wood and dirt. And you want to see what's popping, what's crazy. Yeah, 
know what I mean? Like, bro, when before my, my family moved into to their house, like when I was younger, bro, when we moved into our house, bro, we visited the house multiple times and we looked in other people's house. The only time that people stop you is when security, when the security tells you not to, you can't do mm -hmm. that no more. And right. then there, there comes a phase, there already comes a phase where then they start to put locks on the door. Right. But until right. that happens, it is free game. And then when they see some demolishment or something taking place and they're like, ah, it's getting a little weird over here. We got to right. right. heighten up the security. You know what I mean? But fam, like... I mean, like, and then, of course, they did the classic thing that they always do. The New York Post thing that you're talking about? They, yeah, they bring up his past, um, his other his other stuff on his record. Like, come on, man. Like, But really? what does it have to do with him now? Like, we give a ton of other people chances and chances and chances. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Bro, why can't we give people a chance? And how old was he? Like, early 20s? Late? Yeah, 25. Bro, so you talk about three years ago, maybe directly out of college, dude. That that was horrible. I was that was frustrating. I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh, here we go. This is typical, typical media pool. This is what they do. Oh, basically makes him like he wasn't fit to live. He was a criminal. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, these dudes hunt, chase this man down with guns. Let me ask you this question, man. Um, and I don't know if I've asked this because we did a lot of. In the earlier levels of AZs and Root Roots, we did a lot of conversations social about social talk, about Black Lives Matter, Kanye and Trump, all that type of stuff. What do you really think needs to happen in order for there to be like true racial and if it's no, no, let me ask this question. Do you think racial reconciliation on a global scale is possible? No, I don't. You think racial understanding is possible? No. So do you think we're stuck? Yes. I don't think we'll ever see eye to eye on it because it's just a lot of things that needs to be acknowledged on both sides that nobody is willing to acknowledge. Wow. Nobody wants to. Everybody is very, is very solid on the position that they stand on. And I believe in order for that to happen, um, and I hate... I hate to say this, but it is it's something that needs to be said that um, the government of America and I'm only because I can only speak for the United States the government for America will have to come out and formally apologize for slavery not only that what they did to the Orientals and what they did to Native Americans and what they did to Latinos and Mexicans. That's a lot, bro. It's not going to happen. They capitalize off it. The country is built off it. The success of the country is on the back of these other, other ethnicities. And for them to uh, formally acknowledge it apologize to it, would then begin to open up a conversation of reparations. Indians get the reparations. Everybody else don't. And they're not willing to do that. So what they do is say, hey, we have equal rights. Hey, y'all can vote. Hey, you ain't got to go to those black colored only bathrooms no more. Stop complaining. And we looking like, yeah, it's, bruh, it's way more than that. Yeah. And I don't think we'll ever be eye to eye on that because it, in order for that to, it's just going to take some 
it's going to cost in their and I think in their viewpoint, it will cost them too much to do that. And I think truly um, from the black community, because there's been so much trauma, so much abuse that has taken place over the years. Think about it. We're only like, what, 55 years away from the civil rights movement. 50, like 50, we didn't even hit 60 years. We're like 50, 55 years away from civil rights. That's still very fresh. Um, That's only what? One and a half generations removed from that time. Like my parents, my mom is in her 60s. My dad's in her 60s, going to 70s. They're still very fresh and remember that. So... I think there's so much has been taking place that so much has been so much trauma has been taking place. So much abuse has been taking place without those former formal acknowledgements that black people aren't willing to just sit back and, and let go. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think we're stuck. I think we're here. Um, I think, I think what we can do is basically raise up a generation that is more, independent in thought about these issues other than being consumed by what the media on both sides throw at our children. That's good. You know, so yeah, I think we're at this place. We'll be like this place forever, bro. That's real. You know what I mean? It's tough to think, but it is. So man, since we, uh, Independent thinkers. So let me ask you. Let me ask you this question, man. Uh, Joe Biden recently mm-hmm. um, had a interview with Charlemagne uh, the God or the God, um, um, and I didn't see the whole interview, but it seemed like the interview Charlemagne was Charlemagne, which you gotta respect. Mm-hmm. Practically told Joe Joe Biden the boat ain't free, bro, just because I'm black. Right. Joe Biden said is between me and Trump. And if you don't vote for me, you're not black. What was your thoughts when you saw that clip or heard about it? Like, what were your... Cause I, I know what my I... Head, bro. I just shook my head because I was just looking like... <laughs> Man, this whole election coming up in November, bro. I just don't... Uh, it's, yeah, I don't know what to say about it, bro. It's just... Uh, it, it goes back to what we talked about earlier. When we in the AZs and RuPaul's era, um, and I think people should really realize this when it comes to voting. Number one, um, that statement alone shows you how arrogant some people or some candidates in the Democratic Party are about getting the black vote. Like just to let, just for you to let that roll off your tongue, in the midst of campaigning, in the midst of COVID nineteen, bruh. But let's just get let's just get that straight. Like, yo, we 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 people locked in houses right now, bruh. Like, bruh, they paying they, attention like never before, right? People now, frustrated. You know what I mean? Like, people want to go like, to the beach without mask. You ain't black, like, because you have a because your president. Obama's vice president, good friend, mean you get you don't get a pass, bro. You're not getting a pass. I don't care who you are. Bernie Sanders didn't get a pass. Hmm? <laughs> I'm just saying. Hillary Clinton didn't get a pass. 
So you ain't getting no pass. And I just think it's just, it, it goes back to this, man. Like, <laughs> and we rec- and it's recognized that George, uh, that Bill Clinton was the first black president before Obama. I'm just saying, man. I'm like, just, damn. It's just that I just think that more than, this is what I would like to see, man. I know, I know recently Diddy made a, a comment. A lot of people wasn't feeling it when he was saying that the black vote is not going to be for free. Um, and that he's that he, I guess, will will tell black people not to vote if if our agenda is not met or our voice is not heard and people don't have a plan for us. Um, and I think I hear what Diddy was saying, and it's going to go back to this whole Joe Biden thing. I hear what Diddy is saying. And, and Joe Biden's response to that was he made a black agenda. So that's even more crazy. He said what he said. But when you open up the door for when you say those things and then a the person was like, hey, oh, you want a black agenda? I got you. Now what? You ain't never seen this, right? So if you don't, if you if you don't vote for me, then you ain't black. You feel what I'm saying? It's, it's no difference than President Trump saying, look what all that done for the black community. What the hell you got to lose? Vote for me. Yeah. It's no different. But this is this is and this is I want to say this, bro. And I want everybody to really pay attention to what I'm about to say. Um, what I would love mm. for the black community to do, as much energy you put in to a presidential election, put that same energy in midterm elections. That's good. Because those are the elections that affect you immediately. You want to talk about Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, these other cases, you vote for these district attorneys. You vote for these judges in your state, in your city. You know when you vote for those? Midterms. You know when you vote for the House and the Senate? Midterms. You you know when you vote for your governor and your mayor? Midterms. Midterms. With this COVID-19 situation, you see that the president power is limited. There's only so much he could tell you, but then the governors have the ultimate over your state, then the mayors over your city. And we don't press enough about midterms, but those are the things that affect us immediately. I want to, I want to share, I want to add this, man. What you're saying is everything that you said, it just kind of got me in my, it just got me in my thoughts, like real talk. Had a conversation with a coworker. And um, we're talking about for the organization that I work for specifically, how do we have better impact on the African, the black community? Mm -hmm. One of the things I shared with that coworker was like, you know, the, the, one of your, in a way, I don't know if I said it this way, but I'll say it this way. One of the biggest struggles that anybody will have impact on with the African American community is that it's so diverse. And I don't think people, I don't think people that are not black or African-American don't realize how diverse, right? how multifaceted the African yes. community, the African-American black community is. Mm-hmm. Let's look at, let's base off a genre. Let, let's take it off a music genre. African-Americans and blacks cover pop, jazz, mm-hmm. hip hop and rap, mm-hmm. R&B and soul, mm-hmm. country music. Mm-hmm. Jazz. Mm-hmm. Some of them also, if you're talking about, if we're going to encompass it, then you have an international flavor because we have Afro-Cubans in Brazil. Mm-hmm. We have 
um, we have multiple countries where we have taken origins from the continent of Africa alone. Right. And what? They're like 30, 40 plus uh, countries alone. Right. Not to talk about providences and, country, and, and cities and things of that nature that are in those countries by themselves, right? right? So you're talking about the multifaceted thing, right? So if we're saying like, so in that, if we're talking about all those as genres of music alone, then we're also talking about those as occupations. Mm-hmm. How black people live in in the South, like of Georgia, is completely different how they live in like the city of Compton. Mm-hmm. How black people live in Compton is totally how different how they operate in Sacramento, and mm-hmm. we're in the same state. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. Same thing with uh, same thing. Like we can just we can roll it out. We can literally dig that dig that thing. Um, but how that is approached is going to be is going to be completely 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 different. And so one thing that people have to understand, like, and especially non-black and non-African-American individuals is like, not every black person likes fried chicken. Mm -hmm. Not every black person likes to listen to Marvin Gaye and soul music. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so the needs of African, of the African-American community is very diverse. And I think that's going to be a struggle. But also I'm concerned for Joe Biden's presidency. Not saying that he had my vote or not. Nobody will know who I vote for on on this podcast. Right. But what I will say is the struggle with that, with, with that, one thing that I think that statement, I think, really hurt him. Because for the Christian, the very conservative Christian that is struggling with Trump's, Trump's presidency, if they mm-hmm. are struggling with it, I will see them leaning more to Trump's presidency oh, yeah, because absolutely. of the Christian umbrella in yeah. comparison to the frustration of dealing with Joe Biden, you should vote for me because I'm black. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If you don't, yeah, if you ain't black. And this is the, uh, and this is the thing, and I'm sorry, bro, I didn't mean to cut you off. This is the thing, too, where, where that hurts Joe Biden for the person that doesn't want to vote for Trump they're going to vote for ind- an independent party president or another uh, a Green Party president. But again, how much buy-in do those parties get in because the Democratic and the Republican Party are the major parties regardless? Right. Right. In, in my lifetime, and I don't know if we've ever seen an independent... Uh, independent. Yeah, no. So that hurt, like, man, Joe Biden, I hope he has a great marketing team. I hope he has a great beat writer because that's some cleaning up. I was have- honest with you. I already didn't think Joe Biden could beat Trump. After saying that, he definitely beat Trump. Bruh. Jesus. I don't think there's any candidate that could be a Democratic candidate that we've seen that could beat Trump because I believe this is one thing people got to realize too. Um, as much as there's people who don't like what, put like this, when others couldn't campaign, President Trump was campaigning. We've seen this press conferences for. He didn't have to be up there. That was Mike Pence's whole situation. He delegated that to Mike Pence. But he was up there every press conference about the task COVID-19 task force. That's campaigning, bro. I just don't, and as much as we might, I'm I don't, I'm not a fan of President Trump. I don't like him. But there's people that are devoted and love this dude. They think he can do no wrong. None. And so he's been feeding his base this whole time. And so for you to come back on the scene and say something like that because you're on a black radio show, 
Like he got too comfortable, bro. Like no, too nah. comfortable. No, you still want people to be presidential. And people, like, and I'll say this, man. Uh, I don't. I think he understood who he was talking to, but I don't think he understood who he was talking to. Exactly. Yeah. Like Charlemagne, bro, is one of the voices of not just black radio, but of radio. Right. Like his right. influence is really, really crazy. Right. And it's just like, yo, like fam, like bro, you lost your marbles. Like, yeah, he's he's not gonna win, bro. I just think like, just why would you say that? I think like, he knew. I think he knew he lost it when he said said that. Yeah, he, right. he's not going to win, bro. I think he's going to, and I'll be honest with you, I think he's going to get demolished in the in the election. Oh, Trump is going to come for him, bro. I think he's going to get gonna, demolished, bro. Some straight tech and street fighter type stuff. Yeah, it's, it's going it's going to be it's going to be crazy. It's going to be nasty, bro. I don't want to see it. Um, and that doesn't mean I'm voting for Trump. I'm just I'm just calling it like I see it. No, bro. Like when I saw that, I thought it was a joke. Yeah, like no. I thought it. Was, I really thought it was a joke. And when I saw that man, I was just like. Well, there goes your, <laughs> there goes your candidacy. You feel yeah, me? That's like, it, that's it. like, and I mean, and it's, it also shows too. I don't. I watch some of those uh, those um, Democratic uh, uh, debates, and it seems like a lot of, and again, a lot of splits. You know what I mean? It seemed like a lot of people wanted either Bernie or uh, what was the other young lady, um, uh, Warren. Yeah, Elizabeth um, Warren. A, little, a, lot, a lot of people wanted them, and it seemed like there was a lot of lot of splits. For me, bro, like, and this is the thing, and this is just my opinion. I think with the experience that Joe Biden had with being side by side with President Obama, I felt like that gave him a, a leg up in regards to experience. Seeing some of the stuff that's coming out in regards to some of like, I guess like the crime act that they've been talking about mm-hmm. and some other things, I could see why people are not, I don't, I don't have all my research down and that's probably something that I should do and need to do. I could see why a lot of people struggle with the idea of like Joe Biden, like just the, the struggle of him being like potentially like the president. You know what I mean? So I think that with the Democratic Party, they're going to need a totally new, fresh face. And it's like, who though? You know what I mean? They're going to have to groom somebody. It's going to like the way they groom uh, President Obama, how he kind of came out of nowhere. Well, you know, when the Hillary thing was happening, he made his first speech and then they kind of groomed him from that point on, right? Yeah. Um, I think they're gonna have to, something like that's gonna take place again. But because I think um Americans that voted for Trump were very tired of the Obama presidency. And I think anybody that resembles that, they're not gonna listen to. <laughs> Period. On multiple so, facets. On multiple <laughs> on multiple issues. So I just think that it, it I, I just uh. I just think President Trump is going to win again. And I'm yeah. not excited about it, but I'm just calling it like I see it, bro. Like, I just don't think. So everybody just, but I said this when he first got it. When he first got um, elected, I, I said it on my Facebook. I said, hey, get ready. This is going to be eight years. Because as much as even conservatives don't like uh, President Trump, um, he's doing everything they want him to do. As long as he does that, he's he's going to win. <laughs> you feel what I'm saying? He has their support. So <sighs> that's just the that's just the ugly truth of it. <sighs> now I'm gonna tell you what's gonna be interesting, Simon. <laughs> well, now we're getting into the season because he said something the other day 
and he I was like, oh, he campaigning heavy. When he said open up the churches immediately. Oh, bruh. Because it's an essential. And if you guys don't do it, I'm going to overturn it. Sir? I said, oh, he uh, he he looking at November. He looking at November heavy right now, boy. That's what I'm saying. Like, Biden is, 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 is just starting to play. It's just starting coming to the table playing chess. And President Trump been at the table for a minute waiting. Bro, he got his fork and his knife in heavy. So let me ask you this question. What are your thoughts in regards to in regards to do you up? even have a thought? Like what were your do you even have a feeling? Uh, I don't you, have a, a about the churches opening up. I mean, look, let's be real though. When you talk about the coronavirus in Wuhan, they said one of the major spreads happened at a church. That was one of the first major spreads. Somebody had it, went to a church, they let you know 30 people got that joint. And then it's a rap, rap, rap. Um, me personally, um, hey man, I love my church, but uh, after they reopen, I'm t- I'm giving that thing another 30 days. You feel what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. You ain't gonna see me walk through them doors for another 30 days after you reopen them joints. Yeah. I, think, I think you gotta be wise, man. I'm not, I mean, look, if God is telling them to open up their doors, then I mean, who am I to say anything? Yeah. But I think you should be wise with it. You know what I mean? Like, you got to be wise. Um, that's it. That's all I can say. Just be yeah. wise. But, I mean, if people say they're not going uh, I mean, I don't agree with people going around saying this is tyranny. Uh, you're, you know, stopping us from uh, doing what we want to do. We're not, we don't have freedom. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm opposed to pastors risking it all to keep their church doors open blatantly, you know, uh, over disobeying the order and the law. Um, and as we saw, some of some pastors that did that died from the virus. Yeah. Some members got the virus because of that disobedience. Um, but I think you have to truly be spirit led and know if that's for you. But if you're not going to open your church doors, I don't think you should be pressured into opening up your church doors. And I think members should be understanding of it. Yeah. Now me, I wouldn't open up the doors. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I just think you got to be wise. You know what I mean? Yeah, I yeah, I agree. I think you have to be wise because I do. For me, I do hear, I do hear what a lot of pastors are saying in regards to yeah, the church is essential. Um, the church is essential in in a lot of ways, but also. Man, when I go to church and I see people I love, I want to hug them. Mm-hmm. I, I want to shake hands. Right. It's it's family, you know? Right. And I do think you just have to really be, I think you have to be wise. Um, I think you just have to be wise. You know, and I most definitely will be praying for the churches that are opening. And I know that yeah. some, I was going to say Go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, because I do know some churches are like putting some things into practice, you know what I mean? Right. Where like there'll be safe social distancing and there'll be like plans that are laid out in um, where and some things that are going to be required, mm-hmm. some things that are really going to be required in the season. You know, I mean, you know, and it's kind of like I'll be real. Like, just in the season, it's been really interesting because you kind of see people slowly but surely. Like, what I tell you, I told you this a long time ago, or not a long time ago because we've been in this. But I told you this like about a month and a half ago. I was like, bruh, I told you, um, I was like, in a month or so, people, man, all this social distancing order is going to be very hard for people because. Where you know, as humans in general, we're built for relationship. We're built 
to to engage. Yeah, you, definitely. You, you you know what I mean? Like that's that's how we're built. And so for people not to have that opportunity to do that, like, you know, I see on Instagram couples all cuddled up and I see I see, uh, you know, families having uh, cookouts and stuff like that. And it's just like, bro, like the order was going to get broken somehow, somehow, you know, right. I, you know, but I think just like, you know, I, I am, I do commend people for wanting to be in the house of God, you know what I mean? Or their places of worship. I do commend that because communities is is essential. Um, I do think that we need to be careful um, because there was, I think there was a church that opened and they had to reclose because like so many people got impacted by the virus. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and I think just the best thing to do is just do the best that you can. You know what I mean? But right. I think if right. we, I think the best that we can do is not try to do things out of a place of, um, a place of like, I told you so. Right. But, um, but a place of like, man, this is what the best for our community is. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that's just kind of like my place. In it, I think there's a lot to there's a lot to say. Uh, I want to be careful what I say. You know what I mean? Because it, I don't want it to be interpreted the the wrong way. Uh, I I get it, but I agree with you, man. Like, um, I, I get it, but I I agree that it, there needs to be some wisdom that needs to be be put forth. Yeah, because I feel like, man, like, I mean, this is I think one thing that's been clear when it comes to churches and ministries is that. The church is just a building, bro. I'll be getting some very effective word over the over the internet. Oh, oh, yes. You feel me? So I feel like you know, if you're doing it for this because you want finances, uh, that's a tough spot to be in. But I mean, too, like, and again, I'm not trying to judge anybody's way of like how they do service, but there are so many digital resources. Mm-hmm. In which you can you can still finance, you can still be in a in a in a place in a position, you know. And I do understand the idea of like two or three are gathered in your in your name, but man, I've been experiencing the presence of God through the laptop on two or three right moments. You know what I mean? And so right. it's kind of like it, it, again, it's it's one of those thin lines, you know. And again. Going back to what we were talking about earlier, like I didn't even think about it in that way, but bro, that is some healthy campaigning where, where like, man, like, but you know, ha, ah, never, ah, that's a, ah, that's a post game thought. But, um, yeah, man, this, man, we have some interesting times, man. Interesting times, bro. We interesting times, bro. It's all that shit. Hey, hey, the closer we get to November, we finna see some real interesting things, bro. You're already starting to see it, but now it's, it's finna now it's finna start getting kicked up. Why you think you want to reopen up the country so much? Gotta you gotta get to you gotta hit the campaign trail. Cats can't come to your thing if it's social distancing. You feel me? Like it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot going on. Um so, man, I, I, I think with Joe Biden, man, I think he just got too comfortable. Yeah. He got too comfortable. But, I mean, it goes, it goes to, like I said, it goes back to voting. I think when it comes to voting, no matter who you are, whatever, no matter what ethnicity, I think you should vote from what's best from your country based on what you truly believe in. Yeah. 
and you should uh, vote what's best for your community and vote what's best for your family. And that might mean you have to vote across the aisle. Yeah. And a lot of people aren't ready for that conversation, but that's the reality. That's the reality that we're in. You might have to vote across the aisle for what's best for your community. Yeah. Yeah. You feel what I'm saying? I feel you 100%, bro. So I'm just saying, don't get so locked into your parties that you just start voting Democrat across the board or Republican across the board. And then you start... uh... (laughs) (laughs) See? And you ain't... uh... And you play yourself. Because, you know, this is the reality, man. You know, a lot of people say Republicans don't care about black people or the black community. Um, Democrats say they care about uh, the black community. Or in order to be a, like a Republican, you have to be Christian. Or, yeah, you know what I mean? Stuff, like, it's just know. a lot of, it's a lot of facets, bro. Because I hear people just... say some of the craziest things, bro. I mean, I've even heard people say some of the craziest things over the pulpit. And I'd be sitting there thinking like... I'm like, oh man! I just pray that people are 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 wise enough to just uh, um, research some and study some stuff out of their own. Yeah, you know what I mean. And I and I think that's more than anything. That's what I would say. You know, more than anything, I know you're going during this time. For those who's listening, you're going to be hit and bombarded from different angles. Yeah, from, you know, from the media, from your family, from your church from the president, all these candidates on why you should vote for this, why you should vote for that. At the end of the day, man, just pray about it and make the right vote based on what you truly believe in, what you truly feel. And know one thing, there's really no right and wrong. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) I mean, look, no matter what happens, we all live through a Republican presidency. We live through a Democratic presidency. It's been wild, been wild on both ends. Exactly. It's been wild on both ends. So, look, keep your faith in the, in the Lord and keep on pushing. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, how you, how you, uh, how shall we, uh, exit this, this first series, this first, uh, this first episode of, of the tribe called Blessed? Hey, man, before we get a body here, I wanted to give a shout out and say rest in peace to, um, of course, Ahmaud Aubrey, Breonna Taylor, that's the young lady who got murdered in her home when the place did the wrong raid. Yeah. And she got there. Um, I want to say R.I.P. to um, Andre Harrell, yeah. um, Betty Wright, um, Little Richard, um, some legends. We lost some legends, man, in these weeks. We lost Jerry Sloan yesterday. Jerry Sloan yesterday. And we also um, lost the MMA fighter. Who? There was a gentleman, I forgot his name. Um he was um he was a he was dope. Like he actually I think from I saw a post before his passing. Let me uh let me check out really quick. Um sorry you guys passed. Um but yeah, there's an MMA fighter. He recently passed away, and um, he uh, was saving his son because. Oh yes, at the beach. At the beach, and he got caught in that tie. He was a wrestler, former wrestler. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Did, um, his son, did his son die or he saved his son? His son his son survived, but he didn't. Oh, where did they find his son? Um his well the thing was he asked them to save his son first before they saved him. Wow, he got caught in the riptide. Got caught in the riptide. What was crazy, I just saw something. I saw something prior that said um that said uh he you know the uh the the video game god of war he was the body he was the body skeleton for the main character wow and the base level fighting moves that was him wow so i remember they were saying his son him and his son was missing but they found him and they rescued the son but they couldn't rescue him yeah, so it was a uh, uh, Shad Gaspard. Where shot, did they find shot, him? Huh? Where did they find him at? They, they, I think they found him in the ocean, unfortunately. So they found him and his son. No, so I think when they got uh, lost in the Riptide, this is what our understanding is, and I might be off. When they found him in the Riptide, I think they found both his son in the ocean. I think he was able to get his son, but they weren't able to get him. Oh, wow. And then, then yeah. it, it just engulfed him. And, he, and then a week later, he found his body. Oh, yeah, man. It's tough times, man. Hey, man, look, everybody, they finna start reopening things out here. Number one, stay safe. Wash your hands. You feel me? Protect Please. your life. Protect your life. As beliefs say, protect your genius. Yes. Uh, um, but hey, look. To all the creatives out here, this is the perfect time to create. I agree. I, th- I think people are now tuned in and, and the tensions are are searching for something to lock into or invest in. Take your time. Make sure it's quality. Put it out. Yeah. And keep praying and pull triggers. That's what we like to say amongst ourselves. Pray and pull that trigger and then keep shooting. And yes. Don't stop until you catch a body. You feel me? Amen. Hey. Amen. Hey, but uh, look, we want to thank y'all so much, man, for riding out with us during the whole era of the AZs and Rupus podcast. Give a shout out to George. Give a shout out to, um, and I talked to George recently, he told me to tell y'all what's up. Um, give a shout out to Chris, man. Yes. He'll definitely be popping in and out. Um, and we want to give a shout out to all of the guests and those who've been supporting us throughout this journey. It's been dope. But it's yes. a new era. It's here. Like I said, allow us to reintroduce ourselves. It's the tribe called Blessed Podcast. And uh, trust me, we got a lot in store for y'all. We're going to start putting some things together for YouTube. Um, of course, more music from Jay Davis, more music from me. I said it. Uh, and we're having fun. We're going to have some fun on this thing. Let's go. Uh, just make sure you tap into us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify. Hit us up on the um, on the Twitter the FB and the IG all same. It's all lined up. The TCB podcast. Now, if you want to contact us, you want to send us some words of encouragement, hit us up at the email, the TCB podcast at Gmail. The T H E T C B podcast at Gmail. Hit us up. You got some questions you want to ask us. You want to get down with us. You want to be a guest on the show. Hey, look, we here. We're having a good time. We want y'all to be a part of it, Tribe. So, Tribe, yes. this podcast is for you. Be blessed out there. Yes, yes. How hey, you know how we're going to leave y'all. Let's you know? go. <laughs>
he'll go leave you like this each and every time in the new era too. God never told us to figure him out. He just told us to trust him. Stay blessed. Sure.